building a relationship with a crook who's out to make money become rich from his power. Okay, so now we're going to call Mike Madigan a crook in an open editorial debate. As you know, uh, today we found out that two of the candidates decided to step out of the race. So I want to briefly introduce the candidates that we have here today. You know, what are they afraid of? You know, they're afraid that I can play poker better than them. And they don't want me at the table. If you're not up at the table, you're on the menu, right? As they say. Ah, uh, yes, politics in Illinois. They can get pretty crazy, especially in an election year. We're here every Friday to bring you our new politics podcast through the March primary. I'm Mark Garber, in for Mel Ballara, and today I'm joined by reporters Tony Arnold and Michael Puente. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Mark. Oh, right, I want to first focus on the GOP primary because there were some significant developments this week that voters who will pull a Republican ballot in the primary should know about. Tony, you watched what is likely to be the only debate between incumbent Governor Bruce Rauner and his challenger, State Representative Jeannie Ives. So what are the differences between these two candidates? Uh, well, there are just there are so many differences between these two candidates. Uh, it was really a, a, something to watch the watch them debate in front of the uh, Chicago Tribune editorial board in what's likely to be, as you said, their only meeting together. Um, by and large, a lot of the commentary afterwards said that Ives just really trounced all over Rauner. And uh, for Republican primary voters, um, I mean, there's a few big topics here that are different. One is how they would deal with the Democratic House Speaker, Michael Madigan, who's also the chairman of the Illinois Democratic Party. Um, Rauner says Madigan is a crook, and, you know, they've been at an impasse for uh, Rauner's entire tenure. Jeannie Ives says that she can work with Madigan. Uh, the two of them measure success very differently for the, uh, the next four years. Rauner says, look at job growth in Illinois. Ives says, Looks at, look at how she deals with Illinois' underfunded pensions. Um, Jeannie Ives says that she's a Donald Trump supporter. Bruce Rauner hardly ever says Donald Trump's name. Uh, and on social issues, which is one of the biggest um, differences between the two of them, uh, Bruce Rauner supports a woman's right to decide. He signed a bill to uh, allow Medicaid to cover abortions in Illinois. Jeannie Ives opposed that bill. A lot to distinguish Rauner from Ives. So how do you like Ives' chances of knocking off an incumbent in the primary? Well, I think a lot of Republican primary voters probably have a, a pretty clear opinion at this point about Bruce Rauner, but Jeannie Ives really has to get her name out there more to make sure voters know who she even is. Um, her reputation as a state representative is one of the most conservative uh, members of the House of Representatives in Springfield. Uh, Democrats will sometimes boo her or groan at her comments. Um, but she did get some help this week. Uh, she got a $500,000 from a very wealthy conservative donor, Dick Uline. That's going to help her get on TV. But on the other hand, she just had to cancel a fundraiser with a commentator because he has said racist things in the past, um, including that African-Americans are inferior to white people. All right, let's switch gears now to the fourth congressional district race. Felt like everyone there jumped into the race at the beginning, and now the field is uh, pretty narrow, Michael Puente. Why is this seat so important? Well, Mark, the 4th Congressional seat is a very important seat for two reasons. One is a local one. It encompasses two large areas of Latinos in Chicago, Puerto Ricans in Humboldt Park and Mexicans in Little Village. And nationally, Congressman Luis Gutierrez has become one of the most important and loudest voices for Latinos in Congress, especially when it comes to immigration. So whomever takes over for him will have to be that voice, especially when it comes to dealing with the White House. And that 4th Congressional District race has changed so much. Detail that for us. 
You're right. When this race first started, there were as many as seven Democrats and four Republicans vying for the seat following Luis Gutierrez's announcement that he wouldn't seek reelection. But in just the last week, two candidates, both Chicago aldermen, dropped out. Now we have just three Democrats and one Republican. And earlier this week, there was a forum held uh, with the remaining three Democratic candidates. Uh, we have So Flores, Richard Gonzalez, and Chuy Garcia. Well, I am the only candidate here that actually took time and, and decided to run for Congress because I felt that there is a need and I wanted to fill that need. Even though there was six and a half days left, we created a groundswell. People were excited about something fresh and new in this race. In the end, it's not an endorsement that will decide who the Congress or the Democratic nominee will be. It will be the vote of the people. And those were the voices of Richard Gonzalez, So Flores, and Jesus Chuy Garcia. And Mike, quickly, an update on the Cook County Assessor's race. Well, Mark, the Assessor's race is heating up because you have the incumbent, Joe Berrios, who's also the chairman of the Cook County Democratic Party. Berrios has been under fire since last summer when the Chicago Tribune and ProPublica came out with a series of articles that alleges wealthier areas of the county are assessed at a lower rate than properties in poorer areas. Berrios is being challenged by a political newcomer, but someone who has some very deep pockets in Fritz Kage. Another candidate is property tax consultant Andrea Ray. Her nominating petitions are also being challenged. WBEZ reporters Michael Puente and Tony Arnold, thanks a lot. Mike mentioned how ballot challenges are playing a big role in some races, so we asked our reporter Claudia Morell to help explain why this obscure process can be so controversial. If you want to get on the ballot in Illinois, you've got to gather a certain number of petition signatures. And if your opponents want to knock you off the ballot, they'll check every single one. That wonky process happens here in a basement room in the Chicago Pedway, where a man inspects a sheet of paper through a magnifying glass. Sometimes he pulls out a ruler or a pocket flashlight. There's some letters that we could compare directly that that make me think that uh, it is the same writer, but really I'm uncertain. This guy is called a record examiner. He's literally measuring a single signature on a petition sheet, one of thousands of sheets sprawled across a table in piles about seven inches tall. He's trying to find out if the signatures are real or fake. Comparing cursive to cursive. Behind him, two lawyers are watching like hawks. For the most part, they're silent, unless they hear something they don't like. Probably was signed in a Sharpie. First um, name. We would strike that comment and just okay. continue to analyze, please. This is the objection process, a staple of Illinois politics. There are about 100 electoral boards across the state. Many do this before the ballots are printed. And it's one tool establishment politicians use to get rid of rivals by sucking up their time and resources. I'm on day number 17 of being here, and I've I've put in 11 hours worth of testimony. 11 hours. Democrat Andrea Rayla is running for Cook County Assessor, or at least she's trying to. One of her circulators, the people who gather these signatures, is being questioned by lawyers. How are the signatures gathered? Who notarized them? Were the papers folded or passed around? Her patience is thin. I need to be out there campaigning, and I need to be raising money and fundraising. Rayla and other first-time candidates say the system is designed to favor incumbents, those with deep pockets, election attorneys on retainer, and an army of campaign staffers to find inconsistencies wherever possible. Election attorney Ross Seckler says the process is necessary. The law is in place in part so that you can't wake up one day and say, well, I want to be on the ballot too without an actual campaign, without an actual viability to their candidacy. 
Viability, as in proving you are a serious enough candidate to at least file your paperwork properly. Because Seckler says the last thing election boards and voters want is a 100-page ballot where each race has a candidate list that's in the double digits. That was WBEZ reporter Claudia Morell. You can catch up on all the latest political news at WBEZ.org and subscribe to our Illinois Elections 2018 podcast wherever you get your podcasts.